Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings on this uh, dreary Thursday uh, here in Metairie. We're at uh, Airline Drive and Studio B, of course, the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Salerson's here with me in studio today. And uh, we've got a couple things to go over with you as we will, uh, I guess, you know, well, actually, let me back up because I want to start with a couple things that are on my mind today. And then I'll tell you about who's on the show. But look, first of all, the first thing on my mind is this NFL free agency. And maybe I'm just more in tune to it now than I ever have been before or the way the calendar shakes out and whatnot. But man, oh, man, has the NFL found a way to dominate a news cycle uh, with the way they've uh, seen the free agency unfold, the start of the new NFL year. It's amazing. I mean, I went to bed last night tracking NFL stuff. I got up this morning. The first things I heard about today were NFL um, news and notes. You know, like, for instance, DeMarco Murray is on a plane right now going to Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, will he be a Philadelphia Eagle by the end of the day? So-and-so is visiting the New Orleans Saints. Oh, so is this person. And... Meanwhile, the other uh, categories of top five free agents still on the board kind of thing. And, you know, it's amazing. Look, there are college basketball tournaments going on all over the place. The ACC is in the thick of theirs right now. We're gearing up for Selection Sunday this weekend. Spring training with baseball um, is barely a blip on anybody's radar right now. And uh, the NBA is beginning its final month. But, wow. Wow. Tip of the cap to the NFL and, and what's happening with NFL free agency. I'm sure there'll be some more big news today, um, whether it's here uh, in New Orleans or elsewhere. Um, you'll go home this afternoon or you'll watch the news tonight, and um, there'll be some more fresh NFL stuff. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's cool, though, too. Um, and it's the new hot stove league. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and the new national pastime certainly has become the NFL. And, and I'm a baseball guy. I mean, it's hard for me to sit here and say that. Uh, it really is, but it's the truth. Uh, the other truth um, today is that the Pelicans are the eighth seed in the Western Conference thanks to the Los Angeles Clippers beating the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. But yet, 
you'd think the Pelicans were barely in the NBA. I, I can't remember a time where more national media folks covering the NBA have simply almost ignored the reality of the situation. Um, even last night, as that game in Oklahoma City was winding down, and it was a blowout. I mean, the Clippers handed it to the Thunder last night. The Pelicans were moving into the eighth spot, but yet the conversation was like, boy, it you know, if the season ends today, look at that first-round matchup between Golden State and Oklahoma City. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, hold on, uh, they're not in. They're now chasing the Pelicans. Look, that team's dynamite when they're full go, and their schedule lines up more favorably. I get that down the way. Um, and, and things could be a lot differently in a week or two weeks or even three weeks. But here it is March the 12th, and the Pelicans have battled and passed now the Thunder for the eighth seed. I'm not looking for a big collective pat on the back for the New Orleans Pelicans from the national media. I just, I guess I'm looking for recognition of New Orleans' place right now in the Western Conference landscape. And um, I guess some more honest conversation about where things stand. It's just me. Um, There are some, though, that are very uh, aware of what's going on. Howard Beck from Bleacher Report's one of them, and uh, he's on our show today. We're very excited to have him. He's one of our favorite writers that covers the NBA on a national stage and at what has now become a very viable outlet in Bleacher Report. So Howard Beck makes his return today, and I'm excited about that. As far as the NFL goes, Bob Condotta from the Seattle Times, he covers the Seahawks now, but he's been a part of the Northwest sports scene for a long time. Uh, Bob will come on today and give us some insight on the new center for the New Orleans Saints. That's Max Ungar. And uh, I'm anxious to not only talk to him about his time in Seattle, but Bob used to cover the Pac-12. And so he may even have some insight about Max's days with the Oregon Ducks. So we'll uh, we'll focus on that today uh, here at the Black and Blue Report. Uh, and then the other thing is this. Um, I'm, I'm on a soapbox a little bit. I realize that. Uh, the Pelicans are idle until Sunday when they host the Denver Nuggets at 5 o'clock, by the way. Um, in light of the fact that the Pelicans are, are now 8th, and have a tough go of it schedule-wise the rest of the way, these home games are going to be um, really, really, really important without sounding like Captain Obvious here. But I would love to see, and we're, and we're kind of getting back to it, I would love to see this final push from the Pelicans fan base to make Smoothie King Center an absolute snake pit over the final four weeks of the season. Um, it's been really nice having great crowds and – the energy keeps ramping up every game, but uh, man, I'd like to see that thing just get put to the floor. You know, just let's just hit the gas as a fan base, as an organization, everything else, and uh, make these last four weeks really a lot of fun. So, look, I know Sunday's a little bit of a weird start time. There's a lot going on around the city this weekend, but maybe we can all agree that starting Sunday, we make the Smoothie King Center one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. That would that'd be pretty exciting. I think that would go a long way in making this a real fun final four weeks to see if the Pelicans can hang on to eighth, not chase it, as some are still insinuating. Okay, Daniel, I'm done. I promise. We can queue up the first time out here on the Black and Blue Report. Daniel's doing that right now. When we come back, uh, Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report. He'll start our conversation today, uh, I think, on an interesting note, as you'll find out in just a moment. 
Join us this Sunday at 5 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center as the Denver Nuggets face your New Orleans Pelicans in a Western Conference matchup. Pelicans Fest starts at 3.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans dance team. The first 3,000 lucky kids will receive a Chevron red jersey, the next giveaway in our Year of the Red Uniform series. Tickets start as low as $15, so call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Besh Restaurant Group and Your Pelicans present an exclusive Chalk Talk dinner at Bourne, a John Besh restaurant. Join us Monday, March 16th at 6.30 p.m. for your chance to enjoy great food prepared by Chef Brian Landry and the Bourne staff. The night will be hosted by a Pelicans broadcaster and include appearances by Pelicans guard Tyreek Evans and general manager Del Dimps. Tickets are limited to enjoy this night of food and fun. Score your seats and get more info at BourneRestaurant.com. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Well, welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Howard Becker from Bleacher Report has been on with us before. He's one of our favorite guests to talk to the NBA, of course. He covers that beat and has done so for a long time for various very reputable outlets. And certainly Bleacher Report has become a part of that list. Howard, good to see you uh, the other night in Brooklyn. I'm glad you could join us today. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see you as well. The uh, ball game the other night, I know that you uh, had said before the ball game, um, I'm anxious to see Anthony Davis in person, not in an all-star format, and you finally got to do that when the Pelicans took on the Nets the other night. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Just one of those quirks of the schedule the last few years, just the way uh, my travel has gone, that I don't think I've actually seen him play in person other than, you know, exhibition games, all-star games. So, uh, yeah, it was eager to see that, and unfortunately um, – not one of his more spectacular nights, but uh, you know he can be forgiven. He would, he worked pretty hard the night before, uh, putting up some rather large numbers, and uh, you know then the blow to the face didn't help either. But uh, good to see uh, that the Pelicans still hanging tough in this thing in the West because you know I, it, it's been it's, it's been tough for any of those teams near the bottom there to just stay in, in the running. And you know earlier in the season it looked like you know it was tough to see if these guys were going to actually be able to uh, to be in this thing. And especially with you know, the injuries that they've had, and and uh, you know, a lot of respect for what the Pelicans have done this season, staying in this in this race. Howard, it seems you're in the minority as far as the national media goes. I, I and I hate that I I have you on here after I just made some comments about this, but you know, even even last night after the Clippers beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, these comments about. Well, you know, the, the 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 Thunder is still trying to hold off the Pelicans and all that and and here with the loss last night, it's the Pelicans who are the eighth seed and other than a couple of folks like yourself, um, it's almost as if the Pelicans don't exist in this Western Conference playoff chase. Um, am I am I short sighted or am I not getting something here or is somebody missing something on the Pelicans? No, look, I, I've been guilty of it myself. I fully admit that. I mean I, I handed that eighth seed to the to the Thunder three months ago. Um, but you know, that's not a, a knock on the Pelicans or even a knock on the Suns, although I, I would knock the Suns now after the last what they've, what they've done the last several weeks. Um, it was not so much a knock on anybody else. It was the fact that the Thunder with Durant and Westbrook healthy, Andy Baca and the rest of that crew, that was a championship favorite before the season mm-hmm. uh, by a lot of people, including myself. So the idea that they couldn't get back in it and, and get one of those last playoff spots – um, it, to me, was and remains inconceivable. And they've got to get through another couple weeks without Durant. But when Durant is back, do I still believe that Durant, Westbrook, Ibaka, 
is is you know that 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 team uh, is not only capable of but absolutely should take the last playoff spot in the West. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I you know have ultimate admiration for what the Pelicans have done to be, to be competitive, to be to take the next step. I mean, look, they're they're. they're so the last couple of years, they're showing that steady improvement that you want to see from a young team. And Anthony Davis has led the way. But the Western Conference is, as we know, brutal. And it's going to take maybe, you know, 47, 48 wins or whatever it will be to, to, to get the eighth seed. And the only thing that would keep the Thunder from getting it to me is, you know, further injuries. And, again, that's not a knock on the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. That's just the fact that the Thunder have two of the top maybe five players in the game in Durant and Westbrook. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Good point. Um, and, and, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, what, what should we make of the Dallas Mavericks? Are they in trouble here? Looks that way, doesn't it? Um, you know, you, I wasn't sure about the Rondo acquisition in the first place. I had my doubts about uh, throwing him in the mix. They were offensively off the charts before they got him. And so he wasn't going to improve their offense, even though, you know, he's a playmaking point guard. Um, in fact, he's, he's hurt their offense, but you know, they got him, I think because they, they thought that he would really improve them defensively and, and could potentially make them even more dynamic off on, uh, on offense. It hasn't worked out that way. And now they've got, you know, clear chemistry problems. You've got Rondo and Rick Carlisle having gone at it and it's clearly ongoing tension there. You've now got Amari Stoudemire calling out, uh, his teammates the other night while dressed in Sergeant Pepper gear. Um, <laughs> There, there's, there's some, some things going on there, and Dirk is, is, you know, looks like he may be slipping a little, or maybe it's just a lull. You know, uh, it, it's hard to tell. But you know, I was pretty high on Dallas. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of great players in that lineup. It's a veteran cast. Carlisle's one of the best coaches in the game. Um, but they look to be in a little bit of trouble. They've slipped in the standings. Uh, you know, I don't expect they're going to go on some. You know, they'd have to go to a pretty big losing tear to fall out of the playoffs race entirely but they're certainly not looking you know like they're going to be you know a strong presence in the playoffs at this point assuming you know that they're that they're going to make it which i do howard back from bleacher report with us here on the black and blue report hey howard um we're going to see denver here on sunday night uh i think that anybody who has denver left on their schedule probably is looking at the nuggets differently and i can't help but think that that team quit on brian shaw in a big and bad way Uh, but they are now uh, all of a sudden playing uh, loose and free and having a good time all of a sudden. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's disappointing what's happened there. Um, I know Brian Shaw very well from you know our days back in L.A. when I was covering the Lakers and Brian Shaw was you know uh, playing guard for them. Um, you're not going to find a, a, a smarter, more thoughtful guy and a better communicator uh, in the NBA. You know, among the ex-players, you know, he, he's one of those guys who you thought for sure was a future coach. They clearly loved him in Indiana. He was a great assistant uh, under Phil Jackson in L.A. He was a great assistant, you know, associate head coach in Indiana. And you saw when he got fired, you know, Paul George, David West, all these guys immediately took up for Brian Shaw, basically saying, you know, you know, something was wrong with the Nuggets. And, you know, David West basically said they need grown-ups over there. Mm-hmm. So it's not uncommon for players after coach gets fired to rally behind the new guy. Uh, that's certainly what's happening. It certainly makes Brian Shaw – look a little worse because it looks like, you know, they're, they'd rather play for Melvin Hunt than, than for Shaw. But it also reflects poorly on them because it, it, this is basically an indication that you guys could have been playing this hard and this well before, and you chose not to. So that's an indictment of those players. And, you know, those, those guys have to look in the mirror uh, as well, and the Nuggets have to decide, you know, whether this is the right 
cast of characters to, to you know build around going into the future here. They made a few moves at the deadline. I think they've got a lot more to go there, and they got to decide you know who the permanent coach is going to be. But yeah, the Nuggets are, are looking like a revived team. Yeah, no doubt. We'll see them here on Sunday at five o'clock at Smoothie King Center. Uh, Howard, is it fair for me to ask you one question here about league business? Is that something that would be under your your purvey here? Oh, sure, yes. Well, I think last night that news, and I don't know if it flew under the radar, if it's just going to really boil up a little bit later, but you know, this, uh, this decision by the Players Association to reject the league's proposal about, I guess, artificially lowering the salary cap when this big TV influx comes in of money uh, two seasons from now, uh, what are the ramifications of this, and, and is this, is this going to change again before we get to that money? It's a great question, uh, and it's not a simple answer, and it's not a simple issue, so I'll, I'll, I'll try not to bore everybody with, with cap minutiae. But, look, the cap is tied to revenue, and the revenue is shooting up because of the new TV contracts, the $24 billion that that's coming in starting in 2016. What the NBA really fears or, or just doesn't like the idea of is a single-year jump in the cap of $20-25 million potentially because – it's just going to distort the system. Uh, every team could have cap room in 2016. I'm going to say that again. Every single team in the NBA will probably have cap room in 2016. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the cap, uh, aside from maybe the first year that they instituted it. Um, so it, it's going to skew the market. Uh, you know, The max guys are the max guys, but there are a lot of guys who are not max guys who may get overpaid and get max contracts. There's going to be so much money flooding the system. So that's one concern. If you're a small market team, your concern is that there's now that much more competition, whether it's for your player, your free agent, or for the free agents that you were pursuing, because everyone's going to have cap room. So those are some of the ramifications of having this, one, this massive one-year leap. And what the NBA wanted to do, what they were proposing, was to artificially hold down the cap and have it rise more slowly, more gradually, so as to not have so much chaos in the system, especially in 2016. The union saw no incentive to do that, I think they did have incentive that maybe they're just not recognizing or admitting, but they rejected it. So unless there's another meeting on this, unless these two, you know, unless the, the league and the union can figure out another way to to handle this that they can both, uh, you know, be comfortable with, then then there won't be any cap smoothing as they call it, and the cap will simply leap by twenty twenty five million, whatever it may be, in twenty sixteen, and we're going to have a, a very very interesting summer. In uh, in 2016. Yeah, and it will be a free for all. And I, and I can't help but think, and I don't mean to be, uh, you know, Donald Downer here or anything, uh, Howard. But uh, I, uh, when I when I hear that, I almost feel like we're on a collision course for a lockout in two years. No, I, I, if people are, are making that leap, I understand it, but one has nothing to do with the other at this point. In fact, the fact that there's 25 billion, 24 billion coming into the to the league over a nine year span, starting in 2016 gives me a reason to believe there won't be a lockout. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing too well. The, 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 the teams are going to be soaking up uh, all these profits. The players' salaries are going to increase astronomically. What's there to fight over at that point? The system is already set where the players will get 51% of, of the, the league revenues. That's 51% of that new $24 billion. So where is the incentive to opt out? Where is the incentive to have a lockout? when you know, the, the, the way the system is built means you're getting that money already. So you know, it, it doesn't make much sense, actually, for them to shut it down. The yeah. only, you know, if, if the players want to try to win back things they lost in 2011 under different economic circumstances when you know, the, the country and the, the world was in, in the midst 
of, uh, of a recession. Uh, they made some huge concessions to the players back in 2011. If they think they can claw back some of those losses, then maybe they would want to opt out and, and try to do that. I don't think they have any chance in the world of actually regaining what they lost in 2011, but they're, I guess, welcome to try. It's just not a very smart fight uh, because the players have lost every battle um, going back, you know, over a decade, dec- you know, two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, the owners, you know, they're going to be swimming in revenues. They can't cite the economy this time for why they need to shut down the league. So whatever benefit of the doubt they got from the public the last time, they won't have this time because, there's, you know, unless there's another recession, God forbid, between now and 2016 or 2017, I should say, um, then what, what basis do the owners have of – uh, imposing a lockout. So um, the, these are battles, the cap smoothing and some of these other things, the age limit, all these other things that the, the, the new union leadership is drawing lines in the sand on. These are the things they're supposed to fight over and advocate for. It doesn't mean necessarily mean they have to have a lockout to resolve them. And frankly, you know, something like the age limit, there's no way they're shutting down the league over fighting the age limit. Great stuff. I knew you'd help us out on this. I knew you were the right guy. Um, real quick, <laughs> I've Howard. Lived through too many, I've lived through too many of these labor battles. Oh, I know. I mean, you, you've been through – well, I've only been through really one, maybe two. You certainly saw the one in the late night. Yeah, I mean, you're – unfortunately, you're a seasoned vet when it comes to this stuff. Um, I know you did get a chance to talk to Anthony Davis the other night, some Dell Dems too. Are you working on a piece, uh, Howard, that you wouldn't mind previewing for us? Well, I'd actually uh, encourage your listeners to check out Rick Buecher's, uh really thoughtful feature on Anthony Davis that posted uh, yesterday afternoon that's still on our site. So uh, he, he went deeper on Anthony Davis. Uh, I'm working on a story that's more broad that will also involve Anthony, um, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave that for another day because that story's not coming out for uh, probably closer to the lottery. Okay, fair enough. I appreciate your time again, Howard, and we'll check out the piece and – I always tell folks you got to you got to put Bleacher Report now on your on your must reads every day. You know I I tell folks here's five or six things. I give them a little homework and Bleacher Report's always there. So I appreciate you coming on with us today, Howard. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. You bet, Howard. Back with us from the Bleacher Report. We're back in just a moment. All Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Basketball fans from all over Louisiana are invited to the Louisiana High School Boys and Girls All-Star Basketball Games being held in Shreveport at the Hirsch Coliseum on Saturday, March 21st. The best players from Louisiana will put on an exciting display of showmanship. Tickets are only $10 and games start at 1 p.m. Check out hotels and other things to do at shreveport bosierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. 
We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Well, here soon enough, the New Orleans Saints will have a new center in camp and a veteran at that, an all-pro as well as Max Unger is coming to New Orleans as a part of the Jimmy Graham trade. And uh, certainly we need to know more about Max, and I thought we'd just go right up to Seattle and try and learn a little bit more about the newest member of the Black and Gold. To help us do that here today on the show is uh, Bob Condona of the Seattle Times. Hello, Bob. Hey, how are you doing? Doing great. Um, I, we ha- we're having very Seattle-like weather down here today. Um, so this this makes total sense here in a drizzly, rainy, kind of foggy day. Although I, I'm hearing that you all had somewhat of a mild winter. Is that the case? Yeah, we did. You know, I mean, we often have mild winters. We don't get a lot of snow up here, but it, but it's just that uh, what we've been getting more of is just unseasonably warm weather. Uh, you know, we've had, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of sun and lots of days in the 50s and things like that. All the flowers are blooming already and and uh, so everybody's kind of bracing for maybe a really bad, a really wet April or May or something like that. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, of course, you've covered sports now for a long time in the Northwest. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks is uh, certainly a part of our conversation today. I'm anxious to get to meet Max Unger. Tell me a little bit about what I should know. Um, yeah, he's um, he's been one of the real solid guys on the team since 2009. He's one of only three, three players left from the pre-Pete Carroll era. You know, they came in in 2010 and really cleaned house, um, but Max was one of the guys who not only survived that, and uh, but, you know, thrived under under Pete and and has been the starting center since then. He actually played some guard initially, uh, drafted out of Oregon um, in the second round when Jim Mora was the coach, the, the one year that Jim Mora was the coach in 2009. Um, and he's, you know, he's kind of been regarded as the leader of the, of the offensive line since then. He, he's sort of been the, the steadying force up front, and you know, last year he was he was in and out of the lineup a lot. He only played six regular season games, and and we all wrote a lot of stories about uh, you know how much they missed him when he was gone, and and how much how how much how much more stable they they got when he was back. And you know, statistically they they had they had a lot of their better games when he was uh, was the starting center last year. So as much as what he brought physically, the the thought that you know there was always a lot of talk about what he did mentally in terms of getting everybody lined up correctly that's one of the real sort of subtle things that a center has to do is is figure out you know kind of figure out quickly the blocking assignments and work with the quarterback on that he had a really good relationship that way with russell wilson of of getting everybody set sort of understanding where what russell would want done on 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 this uh, particular play as well and so you know they, they they had some real issues there during the games when max was out so you know, there's been a lot of a lot of consternation about losing Max because of that. Uh, you know, people here I think really valued the valued the way that the offensive line played uh, when he was leading it. You know, they rushed for 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 as much criticism as the line sometimes got. They rushed for the third most yards of any team in the NFL last year since 1985. So they obviously did something right to allow that to happen. Is he a physical road grader, Bob, or is is this a guy that just is just maybe smarter than the than the guy across the line of scrimmage from him? Yeah, it's probably a little bit more of the latter. Um, you know, that's sort of how uh, Seattle's line is built a little bit. You know, they're, they're a zone blocking scheme, and uh, you know, so it's a lot more sort of teamwork than winning one on one battles necessarily. But um, you know, that said, the 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 the, the thought about uh, Seattle's line last year has always been that they, they're a lot better up the middle. You know, that their center and their two guards, and, and especially J.R. Sweezy, you know, they can do that quite a bit. That they uh, can just kind of line up and blow you out of there. Um, so, uh, you know, I'd say, I, I don't think he's, he's probably not the most physical center in the NFL. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a weakness, but probably he, you know, his strength is a little bit more, um, his athleticism than just the cerebral part of the game. 
It's interesting, you know, the, he's the guy that's going to touch the football every play. And, uh, the, you know, that position somewhat gets overlooked. And, and yet this guy, Max, has is, is found himself to be, I guess, regarded as one of the best centers in the NFL. Um, and I know that's a benefit and a value to the Saints. Um, you know, with regard to his past, or at least how he's come to be what he is, um, it always seems like maybe more so than some other positions with the exception of quarterback, that linemen seem to have a mentor somewhere along the way. Like here locally, you know, it was John Stinchcomb who mentored Zach Streif into what Zach is today. Um, having covered University of Washington and, and, and crossed paths with Max perhaps when he was at Oregon all the way up now through his days with the Seahawks, uh, who, is, who does he pattern himself after? Who's kind of showed him how to be the pro that he is now? Well, I, what's interesting there is the fact that he played at Oregon, which is Washington's fiercest rival. Max is actually from Hawaii, mm-hmm. and one of his coaches there was a former Washington star who then played in the NFL for a long time named Vern Brostek. Um, so I think Max will tell you that that's sort of where it started for him was there. Um, you know, kind of what he learned from Vern, and, and uh, you know, the, the competition in Hawaii can be a little bit a little bit iffy and things like that. He just just a lot of variance in the talent levels and all of that, but I think he felt like he got an awful lot of – you know, guidance on uh, on everything from Byrne. Um, you know, at Oregon, um, he was there for for uh, when Chip Kelly became the offensive coordinator, and so I know he's always given a lot of credit to Chip and sort of um, that system that they had there as well for for his success. Uh, you know, Mike Bellotti was was the head coach while he was there, but with while he was there, that Chip became the offensive coordinator and put in the put in the system that Oregon has. And they, but they had a long time offensive line coach there named Steve Graywood. He's been uh, kind of a, a Pac-10 legend a little bit. Has uh, been at Oregon for um, you know three decades almost or something like that. So um, you know I think those are sort of the guys. Max isn't uh, a real big. I, I, I've never heard Max talk about having idols in the NFL when he was growing up or anything. I think you know, he's a little bit more one of those guys who sort of likes playing the game than than probably watching it in that sort of way. So, um, you know, I never heard him talk a lot about sitting around and saying, I watch this guy or watch that guy necessarily. Okay, good, good. Hey, great stuff, uh, Bob. I really appreciate your help on us uh, getting a jump on, I guess, knowing Max a little bit. I'm, 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 I'm really curious to meet him um, just, on, just on the few things that I've heard about him, not only from you but from a few others around the league. As you know, covering an NFL locker room, um, you can't wait to find that guy that maybe you can have a conversation with uh, that doesn't have to do with football, that it can be wide-ranging, and he seems to fit that mold. Yeah, he certainly can be. Um, you know, he's not he, – I wouldn't say he's the most talkative guy in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he tended to be a guy who likes to talk a lot more about uh, – what's funny is he, he's a guy who sort of maybe likes to talk a lot more about um, things other than football. Um, yeah. You know, his, 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 he tends to be pretty pragmatic about football. He, he's not a guy who's necessarily going to tell you this game's bigger than that game or we really want – you know, he's one of those just every game's the same and, you know, it, it's football and things happen and things like that. He, he was never one to necessarily make too much out of out of things that happen in football games or, or things that might have happened on the field and, and, and all of that. Um, but uh, if you got him talking about uh, – you know, like the he, he liked to talk about college football, the Oregon Washington rivalry. There, you know, his his, his locker here was was uh, fairly close to Jermaine Curse, who he oh. played against at, at Washington a few times and things like that. Um, you know, they like to go back and forth about that every year. Obviously, um, um, when they play play up here, that could be a big game. And so he, he's sort of one of those guys. He's 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 a fun guy to talk to, almost more informally than he is probably to interview officially. Yeah, sounds like he'll be a great fit here. Bob Condota of the Seattle Times, thanks so much for your help today. 
And uh, we'll wish you all the best here this offseason. I know it's going to be busy here the next couple of weeks for everybody. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, the Seahawks may have made their big move there with Jimmy Graham. Yeah, so well, it's possible it slows down a little bit just in terms of uh, big names. They don't have a lot of cap room to do, to do a, a lot of huge things. So Right, um, right. And then the draft will be here and then and then the camp, and it's nonstop. It's year-round, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, it's where it is these days, no doubt about it. Um, they, uh, yeah, they, the NFL has done an amazing job of turning all of these into uh, into just big, huge events that, that uh, everybody seems to need to follow. I know. I think they got their one of their highest ratings ever on, on Tuesday. The NFL Network did for <laughs> when everything was going down there. So um, you know, the, the the fans certainly seem to like this part of the season almost as much as the games in a lot of ways. That backs up a point we made obviously earlier in the show, and our thanks again to Bob Condota from the Seattle Times here on the Black and Blue Report. Can't pay your bills because of gambling? Missed car payments? Credit card bills mounting? Do you have multiple payday loans because of your gambling? If you or your family is suffering from gambling problems, treatment services are available for Louisiana residents at no cost. Call now. It's free and confidential. 877-770-STOP or online at helpforgambling.org. A message from the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals Office of Behavioral Health. Besh Restaurant Group and your Pelicans present an exclusive Chalk Talk dinner at Bourne, a John Besh restaurant. Join us Monday, March 16th at 6.30 p.m. for your chance to enjoy great food prepared by Chef Brian Landry and the Bourne staff. The night will be hosted by a Pelicans broadcaster and include appearances by Pelicans guard Tyreek Evans and general manager Del Dimps. Tickets are limited to enjoy this night of food and fun. Score your seats and get more info at bornrestaurant.com. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to secure early bird pricing and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. This is Quincy Pondexter, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Uh, tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, uh, Daniel Sattlerson will be hosting, and he's pleased to have Sean Devaney from the Sporting News as a guest. We'll also have Monty Williams for you on the Friday edition. More on that in just a moment. Uh, the only other piece uh, that may be uh, on tap for tomorrow would be some more football news. I think we may have some more to talk about. We'll see how that goes. But, of course, it'll be yours tomorrow afternoon, Central, no appointment radio podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Back to Monty Williams for a moment. Tonight on the flagship station of the Pelicans Radio Network, that's WWL-FM, 105.3 on your FM dial. It's the uh, Monty Williams show that starts at 8 central. It's 30 minutes of Pelicans basketball. Most of it spent with the uh, head coach. And we'll, uh, we'll have the encore performance of at least the interview portion of the tonight's show on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Um, I'm anxious to talk to Monty Williams about a couple of things. Number one, being now the eighth seed. Uh, number two, let's try and get the latest on Tyreek Evans and his ankle injury. Hoping Coach has an update about that on tonight's program. And then we'll set up um, this next stretch. The Pelicans uh, not only survived, but did very well in the last phase. As I kind of break up the schedule, I do it in kind of phases. The last one being the seven games in ten days phase. Uh, now things turn toward... 
uh, a, next, a next phase featuring, I think, higher caliber opponents and a trip out west, which will be interesting. Um, but uh, certainly it all starts with a rejuvenated Denver Nuggets outfit on Sunday at 5 o'clock. So uh, with that being said, we want to say thanks, of course, today to Bob Condotta from the Seattle Times, Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report, and thanks to you as well for joining us on this Thursday. Try and stay dry. Don't forget, a little extra space, headlights with the fog and whatnot across the Gulf South. Otherwise, the rest of you, I hope that uh, winter breaks for you here soon enough, as I know many of you listen to us well outside of the uh, Gulf Coast region. Daniel, have a great show tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you later on tonight on the radio at the Monty Williams Show. Otherwise, next time, right here on the Black and Blue Report, I'm Sean Kelly. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.